This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that fail? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. And the pick is in. Well, we've got to wait three more days to hear those five words the 2021 nfl draft is thursday we've been waiting months so what's another couple of days and i think at this point after doing some homework before the show gentlemen every position group outside of quarterback has been mocked to the cardinals at number 16 so everyone has covered all of their bases the mock drafts they provide great entertainments I don't know how much knowledge and subterfuge there is out there, but uh, I'm ready for the real thing. What about you, B-Train? Absolutely ready to get it on and and move on to the next phase. Uh, This is just one piece of of building a team for the 2021 season, and it's an important piece without question. But at this point, we've talked so much about it. Let's just get it on so we can move on to the next. Craig, I thought you knew someone when you said the pick is in. <laughs> I'm just, I, I just need it to happen. I mean, it's every year around this time that everyone gets excited, but when you're picking in the middle, real literally dead middle of the first round, yeah. it's it's so hard to predict what's going to happen ahead of you. Obviously, when the Cardinals have the number one overall pick, it's limited to, what, three or four players, and then you can heavily narrow it down. But when you're picking number 16, MJ, it's – Everyone, you throw something against the wall and hope it sticks. Well, I think, you know, you, you look at the top 10 players and it's very subjective depending on if you think the quarterbacks should be in the top five. Obviously, there's a premium for that position. But when you just start looking at it, it's like I think after the first 10 picks from 11 to 32, I don't think anybody has an idea what's going to transpire. And it's all about either best player available with a little bit of need because you don't want to pass up on talent. And, of course, we're waiting for the Cardinals to be on the clock and get that pick in at number 16. Although, do we have to wait as long or might we be waiting longer? What is the potential of this team actually moving up or moving back in the first round? Something General Manager Steve Kime touched on last week. With six picks and where we're sitting, uh, I think it would be more likely to to trade back than to trade up. So that's one thing. And then, you know, as far as trading back and accumulating more picks, uh, it's no different than a lottery ticket. The the more you have, the better you have a chance to hit. Uh, We know it's an inexact business, and to be able to accumulate more picks would be a real coup for us. Beatran, I would be very surprised if this team moved up in the draft. They just don't have the draft capital unless you're talking about future first-round draft picks in 2022 and 2023, then you're mortgaging your future for the now. I just don't see it. And historically, Steve Kime has only moved up as general manager in the first round once, and that was in 2018 when he moved up for Josh Rosen. So I like to see the Cardinals, if they're going to move, if they're going to move at all, B-Train, I would prefer this team trade down to acquire more picks. I don't think there's any wrong or right answer at this point. Craig, I just believe that this team has done the research. They've, they've 
put in exhausting amount of hours to to figure out exactly what they want to do. They have the exact game plan. They know what they want to do based on a, a bunch of different scenarios. They know what areas they have need for as far as positions, and it's just a matter now of, of waiting and see what the the picks above them and 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 what teams below them are going to try to do uh, at the last minute uh, during the draft. It it. It really is one of those we just have to wait and see, and I, I think it's going to be uh, entertaining. This is a TV show, so there will be some level of entertainment to it. Uh, there will be some level of uh, of things unexpected happening. So I, at this point, I just want to see how it unfolds and who is going to be the newest members of this team to try to help us reach championship level. Couldn't agree more, B-Train. It's going to be riveting sports reality television at its finest, and it's only the draft. But, you know, you look at it, Probably not going to do anything until you see what's on your what's on the board at 60. And then you got to find a trade partner. And I'm sure you know there's been reports out there. There's 17 first round grades. So really, from 17 to 32, you can probably get the same player, um, skill set wise, different positions. So you got to find a trade partner. And then how far do you go down? Because I'm sure when they're on the clock at 16, they're going to have three or four players that they would consider taking. Do you, how far do you go down? And is running back in play at number 16? Or is it go at 24? Now, it's only, what, eight spots? But running back is in the equation, I think. I'd be very hesitant to pull the trigger on a running back, especially at number 16. But the reason you do move down to acquire more picks is because after the second round, the Cardinals do not select again until the fifth Round. They have the 49th overall selection and the 160th overall selection. There is a huge gap that if you're the general manager, you would love to fill. Now, if you're also the general manager, MJ, you're also hearing from a lot of different people, inner circle, outer circle, fans, media, all willing to give their input to what the Cardinals should do with that 16th overall pick and, of course, the draft in general. How much, though, do players, current players, have a say in what goes on this week. Kyler Murray asked about that this morning on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. I do believe I think I have an influence in it. I don't know why I wouldn't. You know, I think if you got a guy, a quarterback, and you trust him and you you want to be the face of the franchise for, you know, a lot of years, I think uh, he should have influence just because, I mean, everything, you know, is technically built around the quarterback. So I think I have that relationship with uh, Steve and Cliff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what we do on Thursday. Well, amongst the three of us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Beatran, you're the only former player. Do players current on the roster have an influence, a say, if you will, and I prefer a voice in the room because I don't think anyone's influenced the general manager. I think you can seek their opinion in that locker room as far as what the Cardinals might do, especially if it's a former teammate or you played against them in college. But where do you stand as far as current players trying to influence, if you will, or give their opinions to the general manager on what they should do Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Very tricky. I know a lot of veterans don't like the draft because they're looking at guys that are going to be replacing them eventually. So most guys in the locker room don't want that influence because they don't, they don't want the, the pressure of if that guy doesn't work out, then, oh, this is the guy that you recommended to us. So I think most guys kind of worry about their own situation and their 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 own job status. So there's not a lot of time to be concerned about young guys and and guys that they could be bringing in to possibly replace them. So uh, I think very few have that type of influence 
uh, a quarterback would definitely fall under that category and, and somebody that has proven themselves over a number of years and somebody that has job security. And unfortunately, that's just not something that a lot of players in any locker room around the league have. There's not a lot of job security. There are guys that that know that they're going to be around for three or four years. So uh, most most individuals, as far as veterans, are, are, are really just trying to make sure that they maintain their own job status with that particular organization. I think the better word instead of influence would be input. I mean, because clearly there was connection with C.D. Lamb, and then when the Cardinals made the pick for Kyler Murray, the second round pops up and Cody Ford's out there, and it was a teammate of his. Input, not influence. You're looking for opinions, much like when Tyron Matthew was drafted. The Cardinals came out and said, yeah, they sought the opinion of Patrick Peterson because he knew Tyron very well. I think that, to your point, MJ, is a better way to describe it. Again, you're looking for as much information as possible, and there hasn't been a lot of information this year because of no scouting combines. So teams have had to do a different way of trying to gather this information to make the best decision, something Director of Player Personnel Drew Grigson talked about on the Big Red Rage recently. The amount of information that we did gather this year not making visits is it's astounding. Um, I, I credit our scouting staff for doing that because, I mean, they were scouting from their offices at home, from their kitchens, from mm. the basements. And um, and we, we pulled in quite a bit of information, didn't have a chance to interview the guys in person. So what uh, Quentin Harris and I did is we put together um, basically a combine-style interview process that we, that we did from the draft room. So mm. instead of having players brought in in front of us one by one, we did it over Zoom. You're looking at more and more film, MJ, than probably the scouting departments and front offices have the past two years because of the limited access as far as face-to-face conversations. And over Zoom, I think it's it can be a little bit impersonal as well because you want that interaction in the same room, and that's impossible these days. But it is going to be interesting to hear post-draft on how teams attacked certain positions, certain players, based off the information out there. Yeah, and when you look at it, I mean, they always say go back to the tape. Well, some guys opted out because of COVID, and some guys opted out because they didn't want to be able to affect their families at home. So they made a, and they made a business decision, but um, you got to go back to the tape. And if you're going back to 2019, and the 99 guys opted out. So all of a sudden, yeah, you can work out, but again, you work out for two hours and then you're on the couch for the next 10 hours so be curious and I do think teams are going to look at opt-out players and kind of redshirt them for the upcoming season well let's get the thoughts of the general manager Steve Kime on evaluating those players who did not play in 2020 ideally you would love to watch the 2020 tape but because of the the pandemic and the obstacles that were created we just have to dig deeper and go back and 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 cover the 2019 tape or even prior to that if a guy had an injury it is a very delicate subject, B-Train, when you talk about players who made a decision not to participate, whether it was because of family concerns, their own concerns, and now are they going to be held accountable for that and maybe, quote-unquote, punished because they were not on the field? I think that's very unfair because at the end of the day, it's my livelihood, it's my health, and, yeah, I want to be a part of the National Football League, but, uh, you know, there are some things a little bit more important. Yes, there are some things much more important, i.e. life. And when you start measuring what's more important, I I don't think there's really a a conversation that needs to be had. And those guys that didn't play this last year, I I think 
to one degree, it may be an advantage for them because it, it gives them one less year of wear and tear on their body. And, and that's the thing that I will, will always maintain when you talk about guys that opted out. Yeah, they, they did it out of a personal decision and based on their, their situation. But uh, from a employee standpoint, it, it just, it gives you a much more attractive resume because now you have one less year of, of, of that uh, being beat up and, and having uh, limitations is what you could do physically. So, uh, I think those guys, wherever they make up in uh, the criticism, they, they make up for it when you start talking about the fact that they are healthier than the guys that actually played this past season and, and may have occurred injuries during the course of the 2020 season. It's another wrinkle in this draft here in 2021, the evaluation process, and one player in particular that did opt out of last season is one of those players that the Cardinals might have an interest in or one of those players that has been projected to the Cardinals at number 16, and that is cornerback Caleb Farley. We will discuss the cornerback position, certainly the biggest quote-unquote need this team has going forward, not only this season but into the future, but is it someone that they'll pull the trigger on at pick number 16? Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Craig Rayalu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Big split to the left. Matched up on Pat P. Allen back to throw, looking for Diggs. Instead steps up, throws deep middle, picked off. Peterson got that one. In this day and age, you want to have that shutdown corner. And if Patrick gave you that for so long, you'd love to be able to replace that if you can find one of those guys. I know you have Byron uh, already and a young guy there, but you'd like to find a shutdown corner if you can. Well, there are three quote-unquote shutdown corners, at least if you believe those that look at the film and put together all these draft boards. Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, and Kayla Farley in no particular order, but those are the three names most so, most closely attached to that cornerback position as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. The voice of Kurt Warner bringing us back, a guest on the Big Red Rage, and he's right. The Cardinals do have a need at cornerback, MJ, even with the addition of Malcolm Butler, because if you look at the roster construction defensively, there are five cornerbacks on the roster, and that includes Robert Alford, who has not been healthy the past two seasons, and Byron Murphy, who the team would prefer to remain inside. They are looking, I think, and whether that's the draft or in free agency later on, they need a number two corner going into training camp. Yeah, we're going to talk about wide receivers in the second half of the show, but in corners, I mean, it's two of the top deepest positions are corner and wide receiver. So, I mean, whatever they choose to do at 16, whether move down, I think it's another option at 49. And, you know, it looks like on paper – um, could have you know, at least two corners, Patrick Sertain and then J.C. Horn, and then Caleb Farley. I mean, there's there's some medical questions there when it comes to him. I mean, he tore his ACL. He's had multiple back surgeries. He opted out. 
Um, but you go back to February, according to the experts, he was the number one corner. And all of a sudden there's a red flag. And do you take him at 16? Do you wait to 28? What's the difference? But the main thing is the doctor's going to make that decision for each club. Now, for those that routinely listen here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, you know that Bertram Berry has been very adamant on who he would love the Cardinals to select, and that would be the Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan, who comes in at six foot two, two hundred and three pounds, a SEC Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous All American. But B Train, it does not look like he is going to be available at pick number sixteen. I know you want the Cardinals to be aggressive, but Sertan could be that first defensive player off the board, if you will, and we might not see it until, like, pick number 9 or 10. It's interesting to see how the draft has shifted to not just the best players available, but positions. And and positions, there's always going to be a run at a certain position. We're seeing this year at the quarterback position and at the wide receiver position, there's going to be a big run. Mm-hmm. for those players that, that play those positions. And you just see the ebb and flow of the league where there's emphasis on different aspects of the offense. And when you start talking about that, you have to be able to defend that. And the, the position that you need in order to defend quarterback and wide receivers are definitely cornerbacks. And so it's it's always it's always surprising to see how 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 valued – or how undervalued defensive players are when you start talking about these teams because, as we've seen in years past, you have to have defense in order to win championships. And so I always wonder why is it that that's a phrase and it's held true, but yet when it comes to picking players first, everybody wants to pick the guys that can score all the points and and not get the guys that can actually help determine – who wins championships or not. Well, the offense sells tickets, B-Train. You know that. They get all the love, right? And the defense does all the dirty work. Yeah, but championship rings actually sell more tickets because people want to see winners. They don't want to just see guys that can score points. They want to see guys that actually hold trophies and, and, and wear rings around. So, to me, if, if, if I'm going to follow a team, I want to follow a team that's, that's known for success as opposed to – they they just a lot of fun to watch. And the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers proved that in the postseason with their defense that they played throughout their entire postseason run. On the subject, though, of cornerbacks in the draft, general manager Steve Keim on what he likes and what he has seen on tape. It's a deep corner draft. Pick your poison. You know, these guys are all a little different. There are guys that can play inside and outside in this draft. Some guys that can only play outside uh, with their length and their movement skills. So uh, really feel good about, about uh, that position. Now, Kime, when he addressed the media, MJ, in his annual pre-draft presser, the only cornerback that he was asked about specifically is Caleb Farley and that's because of the questions concerning the medicals and that always goes back to the team doctor or the trainer if they give the thumbs up then the general manager should feel comfortable in selecting that player at number 16 but when you're talking about a first round draft pick that you hope you have for not one contract but two contracts you have to account for their injury history and when you're talking about any player in any sport the subject of back injury and back surgery, that's something that I could understand why teams are a little hesitant. I give uh, Fairley a lot of credit because he's been in front of this. He's owned it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure his Dr. Watkins sent out 32 uh, letters or one letter to each th- 32 clubs saying, you know, this is where he's at. He's re- He should be ready for training camp. And, again, we always talk about you're not drafting a guy for one year. You're drafting him for 
you know, the next five years and you hope that you pick up that fifth year option. It's just, we're not going to know how many teams have taken them off their board. But what I find interesting is, well, I wouldn't take them at 16, but I do want the fifth year option. So I would take them at 28. Okay. If you like them at 16, you take them at 16. But again, it all comes to the medical and there's no character issues here. It's all about medical. And there is a number of other players as well. Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel, Kevin Joseph, Elijah Molden, some other names that maybe not in the first round, but certainly perhaps available in round two with the Cardinals pick at number 49. B-Train, I think cornerback is certainly a need, and I would love to see it addressed either on day one or day two. But this team needs to come away with a viable option and a young option something they have not had in a long time as far as they can count on for years on on end. Yeah, I really think that if you're going to go for cornerback, this is the year that you stay right where you are and you stay in the first round. I don't think you mess around in the second round and try to find that guy because, yeah, there are going to be guys, there's going to be names available, but can they go out there and really shut down the opposing team's wide receivers and when you start talking about the division that we're in there's a lot of good receivers in this in this NFC West so you don't want to necessarily take a chance on a second or third round guy being lined up against a DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, those type of guys I just I want to have guys that have, have gone up against big time receivers on a regular basis that can go out there and compete at the highest level, not just guys that that show that they can do some things, uh, you know, at, at team workouts and all that kind of stuff. I want to see the film. I want to see them go up against the best competition. And did they lock those guys down and, and shut them down when it mattered most? There's a couple guys at Georgia. Eric Stokes. He kind of stole the headlines because he ran like a four-two-five. And then Tyson Campbell, when you look at his measurables, and he's a former track guy, he reminds me of DRC. So, you know, again, how many corners come off the board uh, in the top 16? And then in the second round, if you went wide receiver or a different position, uh, it's deep. And, you know, you look last year, in the first three rounds, um, there were, I want to say, 21 corners drafted and 17 wide receivers. Now, as a whole, there were 45 cornerbacks drafted in, through seven rounds last year. You bring up DRC and interesting. The last time the Cardinals picked 16th overall, 2008, the player, Dominique Rogers Cromartie. So perhaps corner is the answer at number 16. There's other positions on the defensive side as well, and a position that B-Train knows very, very well. It's a position Drew Griegson talked about last week on the Big Red Rage. Something I never say, pass rusher. It's a very interesting draft for pass rusher, for inside linebacker. You know, usually it's receiver just because there's so many bodies, and it's never pass rusher. Now, I don't think it's as deep up top, but it's like the second, third round. It's going to get real interesting. There's a lot of talented guys. They're going to fly off the board. There's going to be a run from them at some point because it's it's a very, very good group. B-Train, the first pass rusher might not be drafted until the teens or maybe in the 20s, and I don't know if that has ever happened during the history of the NFL draft. And it's a shame because I, I, I understand that at certain times it just it ebbs and flows. I remember a time where offensive linemen were the ones that dominated the top of the first round. I remember a time where wide receivers and running backs dominated the top of the first round it, it it just goes to what teams need at that time and and what players are evaluated as 
and, and the timing that they come out. So it, pass rushers, of course, are going to always be something that I look at because I think in order to, to really nullify what an offense can do, you've got to be able to go get after that quarterback and get him off his spot. And pass rushers are the guys that do it the, the most effective and the quickest. So there's always going to be a need for those type players. Whether they are first-round grades, I, I think you need to have a number of them because not only can they do that as, as far as getting after the passer, but then you start looking at special teams. These are, are, are athletic, big guys that can actually do a lot of different things. And, and when you start talking about filling up a roster and, and playing special teams, everybody can't start, but those guys can definitely go out there and make a difference in, in more than one way. Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, teammates at Miami, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, those three as far as edge rushers are concerned. And then the inside linebacker position, number one on that board is Penn State, Micah Parsons. And then another name, and this is someone, MJ, that you've kind of hit on the past couple of days, and that's either an inside or outside linebacker, but out of Tulsa is Avon Collins, who checked in at 270 pounds when he had a medical check in Indianapolis, but 6'4", 270 he prefers to play sideline to sideline, meaning he wants to be able to rush the quarterback and cover. Yeah, and to me, you know, if you're, you're talking about the guy over the last couple of weeks that has moved up the draft boards initially, you know, maybe an early second round pick. Now you're starting, then in, in the couple mocks in the last week or so, you're seeing 25. The latest mock I've seen him is 18 now. So, um, again, there's probably going to be only one defensive tackle drafted in the first round which is shocking to me. I mean, all you talk about defending and having a good interior offensive line. But he's very intriguing. And whether he's 6'4 or 6'5, they played a 3-3-5. So he played on the outside at Tulsa. You pair him with Isaiah Simmons for the future. You're talking about 6'4, 6'5. And he can cover tight ends. He can rush the passer. He can help in the run defense. So to me, um, you know, it's not necessarily a need because you do have Jordan Hicks under contract um, and you have Isaiah Simmons on his rookie deal. It's not a need, um, but best available player to help this defense, and you're setting yourself up if you want to move on from Jordan Hicks a year from now. Collins, the best defensive player in 2020. Lombardi, Bronco Nagurski, Chuck Bednarik award winner, so a name to keep an eye on especially in the middle of that first round and perhaps with the Cardinals at number 16. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We have hit halftime here on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, the other position that has been closely linked to the Cardinals is on the offensive side, wide receiver. We'll talk about the pass catchers in this year's draft, and, well, will the Cardinals pull the trigger on another wide receiver after drafting three not too long ago? This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun snap to Kyler Murray from the pocket, deep pass, left side going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, you'd love to get another number one with DeAndre, but even that complimentary, really strong number two to go on the other side and, and give you some playmaking would be great. 
Offense wins games, defense wins championships, but we're going to talk about the offense because it is the favorite part of the game of one Bertrand Berry. As I say that with tongue firmly in cheek, but we are going to focus on pass catchers here as we welcome you back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry, who played a mean defense when he was in the National Football League and always carries the defense to a high regard but you do need to be able to score points B train and with Kyler Murray in at quarterback and as you heard Kurt Warner just mentioned you've got Hopkins on one side the question is AJ Green signed but it's a one-year deal Christian Kirk Andy Isabella Keyshawn Johnson all unproven that's why many believe that wide receiver could be in play at number 16. You want to give Kyler Murray every opportunity to be successful. I would even look at tight ends when you start talking about options to to help Kyler progress as as a quarterback. But as we're talking about wide receivers, yes, you want to be able to give him another option other than DeAndre Hopkins. The one thing we saw last year is that when everything broke down, he always looked toward DeAndre, and and DeAndre delivered. But there was just so much attention brought his way that – it, it, it showed up as a glaring need as far as somebody that can step up and, and, and really be there on a game-in and game-out basis to give that balance to the formation so that you don't overload the, the coverage all the time to DeAndre and not allow him to do what he needs to do. So uh, receiver is definitely a, a position that I think the Cardinals should look at for this upcoming draft. I don't know how high you go to look for receivers because there are going to be a number of receivers, just like we talked about cornerbacks. And however you go, I really think that you're going to get quality in the first three to four rounds in this draft. That's how deep that position is. And whoever that they decide to to bring in, I think is going to have an opportunity to come in and play significant time right away. Yeah, you could very well get someone in the second round with the Cardinals pick number 49 overall. But as far as first-round talent, there are three names, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith. Waddell and Smith, teammates at Alabama. Those are the top three by most draft experts. But when you look at the wide receiver class as a whole, here's general manager Steve Kime. I think it's a really deep receiver class, and and they all have different traits, especially those guys at the top. They're all different sizes. They have different skill sets, uh, whether they can play X or Z or, you know, do some things for you in the return game. A couple of those guys have that skill set. To me, I think there's probably going to be five or six guys that could potentially go in the first round. Now, when you look at those three players specifically, MJ, kind of gave comps to all three of those for Jamar Chase, Andre Johnson, Jalen Waddell, Steve Smith, Devontae Smith, because of his size, he weighed in at a buck 66, Marvin Harrison, and of course, B-Train, we always love Syracuse alum with the Arizona Cardinals because they are so good, whether on the field or in the front office, but I digress for a minute. Yeah, big shout-out to Chandler Jones, who's also a fellow Orange. Uh, uh, he, he, I, he goes right to the defensive player. <laughs> well, I mean, he's the guy that – he's a Syracuse Orangeman, so I'm, I'm trying to validate your point here. But, you know, Justin Pugh to, on the offensive line? Out, Keith, Justin you know? Pugh? I mean, there's another one? I, I got you. But okay. I, I'll say this. I, I actually played with Marvin Harrison, and, and I know how effective he was uh, when I was in, in my time in Indianapolis. And, and to have a, a player – like a Marvin Harrison, he can definitely uh, really enhance your, your, your passing game because uh, he, he's able to – he has the quickest feet that I ever saw as far as a receiver is concerned. And, and Devontae Smith is a guy that 
when I watched him play, he, he was as dominant a, a football player as I had seen in, in a while. And, and, and that goes beyond any position. The fact that he was a guy that was targeted all year long, but yet still found himself wide open at times and, and, and got the ball and knew what to do with it. Uh, he's very, very impressive. So the, these these top receivers, they, they do have those individual skill sets. And I do think that uh, Kyler Murray throwing to any of them w- would make a lot of sense. And, and it would definitely give this offense that extra pop that maybe we didn't have in, in the last couple of years. And, and um, we had flashes of it with DeAndre, but you, you definitely want to be able to, to put a lot of fear in the defensive coordinators leading up to the week that they have to face the Cardinals. I guess we'll find out if, if I think Jamar Chase is probably the first off the board and then Waddle and then Smith. And then you got Kadarius Tony from Florida. He does have a couple of red flags there. It happened in 2018. But the guy that I'm hearing that the Cardinals are intrigued by is Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. He's a junior, 6 feet, 190, ran a 4-4-1. Arms are 33, 9.5-inch hands. Wingspan, 76.5. And, and he's only 21 years old. So... Uh, a guy that's got good size. Uh, you got Elijah Moore out there from Old Miss, Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU, Rondell Moore, or Rondell Moore from Purdue, Amari Rogers from Clemson, and I, I think you're going to see at least 17 wide receivers go in the first three rounds. And if you're looking for that outside receiver, Bateman at six two qualifies as that X receiver. Although, as we've talked about, you could certainly line somewhat someone inside and then have them run outside. I mean, I think we're getting to that point now where wide receivers, you should be able to play all across the board, inside and outside, to be the most effective. You also, earlier in this segment, B-Train, brought up the tight end position, and there is one and only one tight end that people are talking about, and perhaps maybe the number two player, or maybe the best offensive player, but number two when you compare him to the quarterback position and Trevor Lawrence. But Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, 6'6", 240 pounds. He was asked, General Manager Steve Keim talked about Pitts. Kyle Pitts, tremendous player, uh, spent some time virtually with him, have been extremely impressed. Uh, then you turn on the tape and you see a guy who can do it all. I mean, he's got rare and unusual height, weight, and speed. He's a real mismatch problem for uh, a number of different positions defensively. Uh, and I haven't seen many guys that really possess the skill set that he has. There is not a team at B-Train that would not want a Kyle Pitts. The question is, how much are you willing to quote-unquote pay to get a Kyle Pitts? And I don't know if he comes off the board after number five, maybe even at number four with the Atlanta Falcons. But when you talk about the tight end position overall, B-Train, on what a pass-catching tight end could do for the Cardinals offense led by Kyler Murray. Oh, he he could definitely dominate the middle of the field, and, and he opens it up so much more for the A.J. Greens and DeAndre Hopkins. And, and uh, if you have that security blanket there, he's he's a matchup nightmare because now you're, you're forcing a defensive coordinator to match up with him. And 6'6", run 4'4", and, and, and really is a an extra receiver. He, he's in the mindset of a George Kittles, Travis Kelsey, those type of guys. And we, we know with George Kittles what, what he can do based on the fact that he's in our division. You, you want that option. Now, I don't see him lasting very long. His name is going to be called very early in the draft. And and as you said, Craig, you don't see this team moving up that far to to go get a player. But uh, he would definitely, if we we want to just dream a little bit, he would definitely be a guy that could 
really, really make things interesting for the Cardinals as, as far as the number of weapons all over the field that, that Kyler would have at his disposal. You know, there's there's a free agent out there, Tyler Eifert. Uh, he's played 29 games in the last couple of years. Curious to see if the Cardinals would have interest there. But, you know, we're only six draft picks right now. Uh, you look at a guy like Brevin Jordan from Miami. He's projected to go in the second, third round, 6'2", 247. Um, he's got a nice wingspan. And Tommy Treble from Notre Dame, Hunter Long from Boston College. Um, so, you know, Matt Bushman from BYU, obviously a blocking tight end. So be curious to see if they get more picks. But, you know, right now you got Max Williams, you got Darrell Daniels, and if they want to add a veteran like an Eifert, who's been hurt in the past, and that's the reason why he's a free agent. But curious to see if they have enough picks that they take a tight end. But if they're going to bring six to camp, and usually they'll they'll sign some undrafted free agents. B-Train, are we sure that there is a viable tight end out of Notre Dame that would be uh, available for the Cardinals at some point in this three-day draft? Uh, there are a couple, as, as as Mike just alluded to. Uh, you know, we, we've been known as, 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 as tight end you here recently, so – uh, there, there's no shortage of, of, of great tight ends to come from my alma mater. Uh, just like you can brag about Syracuse, I can brag about Notre Dame. We, we bring a lot to the table. When you talk about well-rounded tight ends that can pretty much do it all, especially catch the ball when thrown at them. Fair enough on that point. Yeah, tight end certainly something that it seems like every offseason we talk about the tight end. And, yeah, this is the year the tight end position will be involved in the offense. And at the end of the year, it's, oh, they caught 30, 35 passes. So, and collectively, not just one person, but collectively as a group. We'll see what happens. And, then of course, it will all be documented. Cardinals Flight Plan, Episode 1 right now, available on the Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cardinals. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the action. The next episode of the Emmy Award-winning series have more in-depth on the draft as far as behind the scenes on what took to get the Cardinals at number 16 with that player and the entire draft overall. This is the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I don't know where Jimmy G was throwing that ball. I don't know either. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. Certainly not what anyone anticipated hearing from San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan when asked specifically during a pre-draft presser, could he guarantee Jimmy Garoppolo being on the roster on Sunday? Well, he can't guarantee that any of us will be on this earth, uh, let alone on a roster. I don't. Well, why are we sitting here right now? Then we, we got what, a couple days left. We should go out and you know, obviously, start scratching things off our bucket list. Just tone deaf. I don't know why he would say that. I guess he didn't say right now. It's something that Listen, I think there's so many people said, yeah. that have been affected with COVID. We don't need to, to go that route, but I understand that he's getting bombarded on questions 49ers keeping things very close to the vest as far as what they do at pick number three b train we know that they are going to draft a quarterback i think we would all be stunned if they didn't draft a quarterback you don't move up to draft a tight end or a wide receiver at pick number three the question is who is that quarterback and then what does it mean for the aforementioned garoppolo 
Well, it means that he shouldn't uh, sell. He shouldn't buy. He, he should be selling. And it means that he's not going to be long for the job as San Francisco's starting quarterback. So uh, I think there's still hangover from that Super Bowl a few years ago where he missed that pass. I think Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust him ultimately with that offense, and I think he's been looking for somebody to come in and and and, and take his place because I think that was that moment where – Everything fell apart, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but he's just not healthy enough. He's not available enough, and when you start considering what makes a franchise quarterback, it's a guy that you can depend on game in and game out, and unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't met that standard yet. And that's, I think, more than anything, because if you look at a skill set, MJ, I don't know if there's much difference just from what I've seen on television, Garoppolo and a Mac Jones. Now, if you want to talk about Trey Lance and Justin Fields, well, they offer something a little bit different than a Mac Jones that are more athletic, but there is going to be a lot on this number three pick with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I, I hope they take a wide receiver. Not that I want <laughs> to see them you know, add to Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, but I, I want the drafters to go upside down there. I really do. <laughs> Anyways, you, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's win-loss record, it's very effective. Uh, the thing is, though, the, when you rely on Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, and clearly they wanted to have a better backup quarterback because Garoppolo does get hurt. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes for three and a half quarters in the Super Bowl. It's what happened in the fourth quarter. So, again, I, they're always looking for the next uh, the next door, and, and, and I get that they're trying to plan for the future. We all know about the rookie contracts and how you can cash in. They're going to have some heavy uh, uh, contracts that they're going to have to extend, and guys like Bosa, you know, possibly some other um, you know outstanding players over there, Fred Warner. So, um, for the most part, though, I mean, they, they feel like they've done their their homework. Now it's a matter of, you know, who's the odd man out here? Is it, is it Mac Jones going to be the guy? Uh, we know that Wilson and um, Lawrence are going 1-2. Where is Trey Lance? And, and where is uh, Justin Fields? 49ers moved up from number 12, and it cost them a third-round pick and first-round picks in 2022 and 2023, a hefty price to pay to select third overall. The 49ers will be busy this week. They have eight picks. Now, the other teams, two teams within the NFC West, the Seahawks and Rams, not a whole lot of draft capital. The Seahawks only have three draft picks, and their first comes in round two, number 56 overall. The Rams, with six selections, none in the first round, their first time at the podium will be in the second round, number 56 seven overall so they will be have a lot of free time and well how are they going to be spending a lot of that free time well if you've seen it on social media the rams draft setup is a malibu beach house yes it must be nice well we know that sean mcveigh and cliff kingsbury are friends they like to have fun at each other's expense so when asked about the rams setup compared to kingsbury setup last year in his paradise valley house kingsbury's response was a plus yeah, I really think it's just a ploy by McVeigh to allow himself the opportunity to take his shirt off again and jump in the pool like he did on, on Hard Knocks. Um, probably sip a little rosé, dip in the ocean, and, and make some draft picks. So I think more than anything, he had that up. So it should be fun to watch. Will be a lot of fun because I'll give the Rams this credit, MJ. They do have a better draft setup than Kingsbury did last year. That, yeah, I mean it's, L- it's was, LA. It looks very good. They always, I mean, they got to compete with the Lakers and Dodgers and now the Padres. Um, listen, uh, you know, 
if I'm them, um, when the first round comes around, I just show highlights of Jalen Ramsey and Jamal Adams, just like the Cardinals show, show highlights of DeAndre Hopkins, Rodney Hudson, and Marcus Golden. So that's what they should show because that they invested in top corners in the league, and we know that when it comes to that this division, you got to have secondary play. It's a rivalry, certainly, B-Train, but when you look at this NFC West, and, of course, we hope that they don't draft well, but uh, as you've talked a lot about, and it's not just this offseason, but offseasons prior. It's become an arms race here as far as trying to one-up one another. And you better have those those requisite position players that can help you win championships. And I think for uh, those teams, the 49ers and the Rams and Seahawks, uh, they, they're all trying to find that one player. They're trying to find that special player that can get them over the hump in this division because this is going to be a brutal division whoever comes out of this division every single year is going to be battle tested they'll be ready for the playoffs and i'm i'm excited to see how this this race unfolds you throw in another game now so it 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 just becomes that much more competitive i i I love it and may the best team win and i I love it it's it's all about competition and, and it doesn't get any better than that this time next week, we will have draft picks to talk about. At number 16, who knows? Maybe it's a trade-up or a trade-down. More likely, though, the latter to acquire more draft picks. And we will talk about the 2021 Cardinals draft class in one week's time. Special thanks to those behind the scenes making sure everything runs smoothly. Our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher, and a special assist to Nathan Lee as well. For Mike Jarecki, Bertram Berry, I'm Craig Riolu. 2021 NFL Draft, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.